Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, this week, I've got a couple different things for you. I've got the audio I just did over on the Survivalist Prepper YouTube channel about different prepping types, uh, different types of preppers. Uh, kind of a cool video, fun video. I even got a couple comments on it uh, about different types of preppers I forgot, like the uh, the Gucci prepper, somebody that buys all of the really fancy, really expensive stuff, uh, but then just sticks it in their closet. Uh, you've got the, another comment was the purchase purchaser prepper, uh, somebody that just, just buys a whole bunch of stuff but doesn't know how to use any of it uh, and then can't find it when he when he gets it. Uh, we were having a conversation back and forth, me and Prepper Dad, about the uh, where did I put that prepper, uh, Some of the, you know, basically the hoarders and stuff like that. So uh, if you have any ideas, head over to the show notes or, or watch the video on YouTube and uh, leave your comment there, just kind of a... Uh, a fun one because we're you know we're all different different types of preppers and different types of prepping and we all have our limitations so uh, it was kind of cool along with that uh, we did a segment over on the Duffendale YouTube channel about shelter considerations for preppers and I wanted to play that uh, over here as well Uh, we also went through we did a review on that same video with the the jerry can water filter that I've had I've had it for about three years Uh, fantastic filter and then towards the, the end of the show, if, if you guys have listened to it, we get kind of political and talked about the, the woke mob and stuff like that. So a uh, very cool show, and I'll make sure and leave the link to that in the show notes as well. That one isn't on the Duffendale podcast. That's only on the YouTube channel. Um, so you'll have to go to YouTube to watch that, uh, that whole video. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and get into this first segment talking about the, uh, the different types of preppers and the different types of prepping. Hey there, everyone. Today, I wanted to do a video about the different types of prepping and the different types of preppers. Everybody tends to kind of lump everything into one category. Everybody gets uh, labeled different things these days. And I wanted to go over uh, some of the differences because it is kind of nuanced. Uh, Now, I've got this article over at survivalistprepper.net that I wanted to go through. uh, And I'm not going to read this whole article. I just wanted to read the first few paragraphs uh, to give you kind of an idea. And then we're going to go through seven different uh, prepper types that I came up with. Now, in this article, um, like I said, I'm only going to read the first few paragraphs. So if you were to ask the average person who knows nothing about preparedness what a quote-unquote prepper is or how to be a prepper, you're bound to get some off-the-wall answers. Mainstream society has taught people what their definition of a prepper should be. Uh, The truth is there isn't one type of prepper. There are many different aspects that go into preparedness, and everyone chooses to prepare differently. While there are those that take preparedness to the next level, good or bad, most of us are trying to do the best we can with what we have. Most, pe- most people think preppers are waiting for the world to end, but that's just not the case. We prepare for Teotihuacan, the end of the world as we know it. Uh, as we know it being the key word in that phrase. We prepare for survival. This could mean surviving the week until the next paycheck comes in, uh, surviving a natural disaster, surviving a personal doomsday. Uh, we prepare for the S to hit the fan, not a sledgehammer to hit the fan. Uh, if the proverbial fan is clogged with doo-doo, Uh, It might be fixable, but if a sledgehammer smashes it, uh, it's game over for that fan. 
And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. You know, we get, we've been labeling people probably since high school, right? In high school, we had the freaks, the jocks, the geeks, the nerds. Uh, We had beakers is what we called them. Those were the science geeks. Uh, But everybody labels everybody. It's just easier, I suppose, conservative, liberal. uh, But there's a whole lot of nuance in between all of that stuff. And and that's what I want to go over. And then also the, the misconception that preppers are preparing uh, you know, we're living in our bunkers with our gas mask and we're going to we plan on living in our bunkers for years to come. And people say, why would you even want to do that? Well, the truth is preppers don't want to do that either. Uh, you know, if an asteroid hits, you know, I'm not going to be wondering where I'm going to go hide out. I'm probably going to be sitting on my roof watching the show. I mean, that's just honest. But we prepare for a lot of other different things. We prepare for natural disasters. We prepare for personal doomsdays. We prepare for stuff that may be longer scale, but it isn't, uh, you know, an extinction level event, Yellowstone blowing up or something like that. So what I wanted to do is go through a few of these different prepper types um, that I've got. And the first one we'll start with here is the lifestyle prepper. There's something to be said for a deviant lifestyle. Now, the lifestyle prepper isn't that, it's not just homesteaders and stuff like that. The lifestyle preppers, it can be any walk of life. It can be just the average person. But a being a lifestyle prepper means that you've chosen to do that. Anybody that's done this for, you know, a couple years and has kept going doing it, uh, that is, is kind of a lifestyle prepper. Whether you're, it's your food storage pantry, it's your supplies, you're constantly building and trying to get better. Uh, that's kind of a lifestyle prepper. Now, the homesteaders and stuff like that, those are as well. That that kind of takes it to a different level. Uh, but a lot, you don't have to be a homesteader. You don't have to be uh, Grizzly Adams out in the wilderness, uh, you know, to be that lifestyle prepper. It's somebody that's chosen to, uh, me, I'm a lifestyle prepper, me and Lisa, uh, because we've chosen to take this and and build on it, and it's something that we don't have any plans on discontinuing or stopping in the near future, or in the future in general. So that's a lifestyle prepper. Uh, the next one I've got here is the extreme prepper. There are other men in here with behavior more extreme than mine, Doctor. Now, the extreme prepper is... You know, this is can be two things, both good and bad. Uh, I put this up because this is from the show Doomsday Preppers. Uh, but a lot of the people in Doomsday Preppers talk about, I'm preparing for this or I'm preparing for that. And the truth is, if you're preparing for this, you're not preparing for a whole lot of other things. So that type of extreme prepper uh, is not, not a, a good type of prepper, I suppose. But at the same time, if you've got the finances, if you've got the money, if you've got the uh, the ability to do some of this stuff to the extreme, uh, that can be a good thing. If you've got the ability to do something like this, these this container compound, basically, that they're putting together, um, you know, that could be a good idea. If you've got the money to get the, the biggest, baddest bug out vehicle, uh, that can help you. A lot of us, we don't have the ability to be that extreme prepper, though. So uh, that's not a, a feasible uh, option for most of us. Now, the next one I've got here is the gateway prepper. I want to take a peek. Now, the gateway prepper, we've all been the gateway prepper at one point or another. You know, as we start out in our preparedness journey, um, that's where we all are. We're kind of like just kind of watching. We're not real sure how things are going to go. We know we need some food storage. We know we need some of this and some of that. But um, we just kind of sit back and watch and learn and take everything in in the beginning. Uh, And that's a lot of people, especially these days with prepping becoming a little bit more mainstream, 
Uh, people are just kind of watching and checking it out. And the good thing about that is they're also learning that we're not as crazy and whacked out uh, as the mainstream media would have you believe or, you know, that the typical label of preppers. Uh, so the, the gateway prepper, we've all been there at one point or another, uh, and it's just part of the preparedness journey. The next one I've got here is the survivalist. But only one of you can be the ultimate survivalist after the apocalypse. Now, this is this is what this is kind of where I put myself. Uh, and again, this isn't with this list. You, you, you're not going to probably fit into one category or the other. It's probably going to be a few different categories. But this is the one where when I first started out, this is where I would have put myself as the survivalist because I was interested in the bushcraft stuff, the camping and doing all of that stuff. Uh, survivalist used to mean a completely different thing just 20, 30 years ago when you're talking about Timothy McVeigh and, and Ruby Ridge and all of that stuff where survivalists were anti-government and you know extremists. These days, it's it's luckily, it's a little bit different. Uh, survivalists just try to to learn these different skills to be able to live off the land to be able to do the things the macgyver type stuff and all that stuff so like i said you know i am part survivalist part lifestyle prepper part prepper you know all a bunch of different things um these are just different different ways to i guess sort of label people all right the next one we've got here is the at home prepper if you wanted to stay in a place like home then why not stay at home Again, with this one, I fit into this category as well because I worked from home. When we had the kids in the house, I was the one responsible for all of that stuff uh, because I was here. Uh, this can be the man, the woman, you know, both. It, it really doesn't matter. It's that one person that stays at home and they probably take care of a brunt of the preparedness stuff, especially the organization and the supplies and going shopping and doing all of that stuff. Uh, that at-home prepper, again, this is, you know, you can fit into four or five of these different categories. It just depends on how you do it. There isn't one certain way. But the stay-at-home prepper is, you know, it's it, it, it's great if you're able to have one of those. If, say, you're not the lone prepper in the group, uh, it's great to be able to have that at-home prepper because they can get a whole lot of stuff done. All right, the next one I've got here is the closet prepper. You keep in the closet all day as well as all night? Now, I, I have a feeling that with prepping becoming more popular now that there's quite a few closet preppers out there. Uh, there's a lot of liberals that don't want to talk about preparedness. There's a lot of very rich people that probably have these doomsday bunkers that as preppers we get blamed for having, right? I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there that are just that just want to do this stuff. They see the benefit in all of this stuff, but they don't want to be labeled as quote-unquote preppers. And, and with that a little bit... Uh, you don't necessarily need to be labeled a prepper, quote-unquote prepper. Uh, the reason for that is is because it's just easier for us to find information. It's easier to kind of categorize everything, whereas if you're looking for for something and it's not labeled as, you know, prepper uh, a quote-unquote prepper topic, it's going to be tough to find. So there are a lot of people out there that don't consider themselves preppers. There are a lot of people that are interested in preparedness. And I, with me, I think that preparedness and prepping are kind of two different things. Preparedness is just doing the real basic stuff uh, and being ready for that. Where prepping, you kind of take it up a notch uh, and start getting ready uh, for a bunch of different events. Uh, but anyway, there's a lot of closet preppers out there, I think. Uh, and, you know, maybe someday they, they graduate up into a different level of preparedness. You just never know. And then finally, we have the, the wannabe prepper or what I call them the keyboard warriors, the one-uppers. Want to be a Lance Corporal and Company in 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines? 
Uh, these guys are everywhere, guys and gals. These are the people that the odds are are not prepared whatsoever. But online, you can be and say whatever you want to say, be whoever you want to be and all that stuff. So these keyboard warriors are the ones that always have something just a little bit better than you have, are doing things just a little bit better than you're doing them, or you know, you're just completely wrong and what you're doing, you're not going to survive. Uh, the truth is, the, the really good preppers, the ones that are actually doing the stuff, are going to give you advice. They're going to share with you. They're going to uh, help you figure out a good game plan and point you in the right direction. And they're not going to be bagging on you and telling you it's, you know, it's pointless or it's worthless or you're doing that wrong, you're going to die, all that stuff. Uh, keyboard warriors, more than ever these days, they're all over the place. And it's not just preparedness. It's in all aspects of life. Uh, so politics, you know, religion, preparedness, everything. There's just always somebody out there that does something a little bit better than you or somebody that, uh, you know, wants to tear you down to make themselves feel better. Uh, and you just kind of have to ignore these people and pay attention to the people that are going to help you grow as a person um, in your preparedness journey and all that different stuff. And this goes, like I said, goes beyond preparing. Uh, it goes for everything in life. So that's it with this. Uh, if you have, I, this was only seven of them, and you know maybe you've thought of a couple. If you have, uh, leave them in the comments below. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of this stuff. But uh, uh, there's just, my, my whole point with this was there's just a lot of different um, types of prepping, a lot of different types of preparedness. Uh, you can be preparing for a, you know, a year, two years. Maybe you're just preparing for a month or two and you're just preparing for those natural disasters. Uh, it's all, everybody has their own different plan. Uh, maybe your plan right now is to prepare for a month and then in a year from now, maybe that plan grows and, and you continue to eat, eat, just get better and better with your preparedness. It's really up to you. I think the important thing is that you're doing it in the first place. Uh, everybody... It, the more people that are in the into preparedness, the better things are going to be in some sort of disaster situation. So that's just my thoughts on it. All right. So before we get into this segment uh, with the the shelter considerations for preppers, uh, I recently made this video and I wanted to play it here. Uh, I put this together just a, a little while back. And for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you know we sell legacy foods over at the shtfshop.com. And that's just kind of a way for everybody to kind of support what, what I do and what we do over at Duffendale. And also get something for yourself as well. Uh, we also have the bugoutlocation.com, which if you're just getting into preparedness, uh, it's a great place to uh, to go to kind of get all that preparedness information in one spot. We've got a lot of beginning prepping courses over there, and we're actually, me and Brian are doing quite a bit of work on building that up and going into more detail about all this stuff and adding uh, weekly and monthly new content for members only. So very cool. So if you can, uh, you know, if you're in the market for some long-term food, you can go over to the shtfshop.com. Check that out. Uh, if you want to just support the show or if you're just beginning to, to get into preparedness, uh, head, out, head over to thebugoutlocation.com and check that out. We also have a free course over there, the Prepping Crash Course. If you go to duffendale.com, um, you'll see the sign-up form there. You just sign up and then you can take that free course there. But let's play this commercial that I made real quick, and then we'll get into the shelter considerations for preppers segment. This is the story of Dick. Dick thought it was wise to get his long-term food storage from someone other than Legacy Foods. Dick purchased what he thought was a year's supply of long-term food, and his family was happy. 
Dick later learned that he only had nine months of food storage and should have been counting calories rather than serving size. Dick no longer feels wise. Dick's family left him, and now Dick has plenty of long-term food storage all to himself. The moral of the story? Don't be a dick. Hey there, it's Dale from Survival's Prepper and the Duff and Dale Show. Nobody wants to go through the apocalypse alone, so if you're in the market for some long-term food storage, head over to the shtfshop.com. You can also get a hold of me directly, and we'll set you up with exactly what you need and also get you the best price available. Again, head over to the shtfshop.com and place your order today. All right, so the first segment here we've got is shelter considerations for preppers. And I put together um, four slides to kind of go a little bit in depth with this stuff. We talked about some of this stuff on the Survival's Prepper YouTube Live, uh, but I want to go into a little bit more in depth with this. And then after that, we've got some, uh, I've got the, the water filter, the jerry can, and then we've got some bug out stuff. But let's start with this one. Um, let me make sure I've got the right slide going on here. Um, I guess what we'll do is we'll we'll start with your home base, basically. Um, your home base is, and we'll I'll briefly touch on these, and then we can kind of discuss them. Um, this is where your supplies are. This is where your comfort that where you're comfortable, where where your normalcy is. Um, there's neighbors and population, which is that double-edged sword. We can go into that about how it's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, you've got to think about security stuff for now and in an SHTF type situation. Um, things you can do now are going to be different than things you can do then and vice versa too. Things you can do then are going to be uh, different than things you're going to do now. Things you're going to want to do then, depending on the situation. Um, grid down options as far as supplies and all that, making sure that you can function uh, the way you're... Sub- that, that's kind of what we do with prepping, right? Making sure that we've got all the stuff just in case. Uh, and then we can talk about the differences between urban, suburban, and rural and how those are going to uh, affect what you do on a daily basis. Uh, we, we mentioned in the other podcast that um, your home base is, we don't want to leave it. You know, that's why when we talk about bugging out, it is a last case or last, last resort, worst case scenario type situation where this is where we have everything. Um, we may have, you know, caches set up. We may have, uh, maybe some people have storage lockers, stuff like that, where you have it in different places. But for the majority, um, especially if you've got family and stuff like that, you're going to want um, to stay put as much as possible. So it's important to secure your, your area and all of that stuff, your home being your area. Yeah, you always want to know, you know, that where you're at is as safe as possible and come up with things that you can do to make sure you keep it safe. Again, whenever you're not up, whenever you're not watching what's going on, whenever you don't have eyes on either a place you're going to or where you're staying at, it you have to assume that it's not secure. So, you know, what happens when you go to bed at night? Do you have the ability to secure your place? Do you have camera systems? Do you have motion detectors? Do you What do you have around your place to make sure that you are uh, being as secure as possible when it, it's most difficult to keep yourself as secure as possible? Yeah, yeah. And then as, as, as far as supplies and stuff like that with grid down options, a lot of that is, a lot of this stuff we think about is, is energy, alternative energy. Now, granted, there's a, a big aspect of it that's security as well. But when you're talking about different um, scenarios, uh, you could be talking about civil unrest. You could be talking about EMPs or, or something like that. But um, the, your, your 
the availability of energy is going to be one of those things that encompasses all those areas of preparedness and all those different events. So um, those are it, it's super important to think about that stuff, the solar, the batteries, uh, all that different stuff. How are you going to get light uh, in the middle of the night or, or after the sun goes down? What are you going to do? How are you going to cook your food? How are you going to keep the stuff in the refrigerator cold? All of that stuff. So uh, that stuff's super important as well, that, that alternative energy. And then the security yeah. is going to be different as well. Well, even at night, you mentioned, you know, how do you keep light at night? Do you want light on at night, right? I mean, we're talking about your home base. If it is an SHTF situation, do you even want lights on at night? Do you want to yeah. spotlight yourself and, get, and make it easier for people to tell that something's going on? You know, you talk about keeping your refrigerator going or your freezer going. How do you, how do you work that? Do you work that off of a generator? Well, generators make noise, you know, so, so how often do you want to run that? Can you run it without making enough noise to where people can hear, Hey, somebody has a generator going, let's go check that out. Cause sound travels. So understanding yeah. what you're projecting out into the world is a big thing of trying to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the, the whole um, urban suburban and rural type situation. And it's something we think about all the time, uh, but your, your plans are going to be different depending on where you live. Um, I would bet um, the majority of preppers uh, live in a suburban area and then quite a few live in urban areas. There's very few preppers, I think, that actually live in like the city. Uh, because if they are, if, the, if you're a prepper and you live in the city and you've been doing it for longer than a year, uh, you're probably, that's your first priority is to get the hell out of that city. Uh, that's why when I, you know, that's why I ended up quitting my job so long ago and moving out here is because it just made me real nervous being in that type of situation. Because the more people... Um, and the more people with that type of attitude that are dependent on government and dependent on, you know, all of this stuff around them, uh, the more opportunity there is for, uh, you know, things to go from worse to or from bad to even worse real quickly. So um, those are things you got to think. Yeah. about. If you're in an urban well, area, I think also you need to. Well, if, if you're in an uh, urban situation, too, well, any of them, you need to understand when watching the news or, or getting the information so you know when it's time to go. Yeah. Right. Because if you're in that urban situation, your thing may be, hey, I want to hunker down in my house, my apartment, my condo, whatever it is, as um, long as possible without, again, projecting that I'm here and, and seeing how the th situation goes. Because I think there's a, a break even point where when, when things go bad at a certain point, it's better to stay in than it goes out. If, if the streets get untenable, if there's civil unrest or you've gotten, you know a week or two weeks into something and, and there are people out there that can't feed their families, you know, a, a dad that can't feed his family that, that, you know, or a mom. And we always talk about, you, you know, or we talk a Darwin award is getting in between a, a mother grizzly and her <laughs> cubs or coming near her cubs. Right. Well, the same thing goes in, in an urban setting. Uh, when, when that mother or that father can't feed their kids, what, what do they do? What links will they go to, to feed their kids? So understanding that, uh, keep it, keeping an eye on things. So, you know, when you have, Hey, it's time to either leave or we really have to be as gray man as possible living amongst it all. And then how much, how much supplies do you have to, and how long can you afford to do that? Yeah. You know, there's this, what does that look like? And, and what we, we saw this from coronavirus last March, you know, a year ago, all the run on all the stores. I mean, I would go to the store when I was living up in Las Vegas, I'd go to some of these 24 hour grocery stores and watch people just just coming in and you know hey they'll, they'll leave all the, this food on the shelves but they're stocking up on toilet paper and stuff well if, if we get to the golden hordes leaving the cities and heading out to the country 
ah, well, that before that, that horde heads out of the country, it may make cities just go really bad. So understanding again, how to shelter in place, how to be gray man in the middle of all that, like literally gray man with your house. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to empty every last little nook and cranny of the city before they start going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and one last thing on that too, in, in an urban area, you've got a very short window of when to leave and you really got to stay on top of that stuff in an urban situation because you've suburban and urban or suburban and rural you've you've got a little bit more time you you'll know when when stuff's about to unfold whereas in an urban area uh, you better be on on the on your game on your head game <laughs> yeah well like where you're at you're you're kind of you know suburban r- more rural but sort of suburban in there you got a lot of time and maybe even then it's the best place for you because you're still rural is that's where you stick. You know, that, that is your bug out location unless, you know, a meteorite lands on your head or something. Yeah. Yeah. What I would, what I would do is get together with my neighbors. I'd be talking to all of them going, okay, what's, what's the plan? You guys in or you out? Let me, let me figure out what's going on right now. Yeah. You know who I'm going to bring up, right? When you say that, Mr. Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's, I ain't going to his door. Uh, no, he's out. He's out. <laughs> he, he's not part of. He's not part of the. He's not in the inner circle of uh, rural tr- Dale's rural trust. Not even if he comes and knocks on my door and he's like, knock, knock, knock. Hey guys, what's going on? Got some sugar? Everybody, shh, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, bug out shelter here and um these uh, again i'll just read some of these off uh bug out shelter um it doesn't you don't necessarily have to have a quote-unquote bug out location uh, but it's always a good idea to have options friends and family if they live in different areas that may not be affected if you're in a get home situation you've got abandoned buildings and stuff like that um like i said bug out shelter is not just a bug out location you've got emergency shelter um, you know, route planning and possible um, cash locations, all of that stuff goes into as you're traveling to and from work or whatever, uh, maybe taking different routes, maybe paying attention to, um, you know, thinking like a prepper, basically, like we do saying, hey, if if something happened, I could go this direction or there's this abandoned building over here. Um, and, and maybe even walking, uh, you know, a little bit of that route, walking around the neighborhood where you work or whatever, and just kind of scouting the area out, seeing what's abandoned. Uh, where you would be able to kind of hide out if if everything just went really bad. So, uh, bug out shelter is not just learning how to build a lean-to and all that. It's it's understanding all of those different situations that surround that um, that uh, you know whatever that situation that that SHTF scenario might be. Yeah. Well, you talk about it here in a second too when you get into advanced planning. But really, before you can get into any planning, you can do any planning, right? You have to have the information. You got to go get that information. And you know, what I tell a lot of people is drive around your neighborhood, drive around your community. Most we, we get so locked into most of the time. Like we come home from work, we come home from the store and we take, you know, same couple routes home, get off that route, go drive through the neighborhood and see what's around you. You know, is there little reservoirs around you or people with, you know, who, what, whatever that may be around you, whether they have ponds, different things, but find different ways to and from your house. And as you do that, you're going to notice different things in your neighborhoods. You know, is there, um, is there a storm drain that would be a really good shelter if you had to use it in, in a pinch to get underground because you don't, you know, you're not the guy, what, what was it over in the, um, over in survival's prep wars, that guy in Czechoslovakia that had the huge gigantic underground bunker or something like that. Yeah. But 
maybe maybe the best you can do is going and getting in a storm drain somewhere that goes a good ways underground but you only find that out by gathering the information going out and taking the making the work taking the effort on the front end to get that information so all this stuff you're talking about here friends family abandoned buildings bug out shelters emergency shelters advanced planning you need the information to feed into that so that way it can actually come out the other end in some sort of successful manner yeah yeah exactly all right so the third one i've got here is bug out locations uh and this is like i like we kind of said in the last one too um do you own your own property the seclusion um we went into a lot of detail about this over at survivals forever too but um you know what are the decisions that if if you if you do want to own your own property what are those decisions that go into all of that how far is it away from people is it a good thing or a bad thing that you're really far away from people Uh, what resources are available in that area um and then your security as far, and we talked about what Lisa and I's plans were a while back, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and security was a big issue for me because we weren't able to be down there uh, all the time. So that was a, a big concern for me. It, that That's a now situation. In an SHTF situation, security is, is much bigger, but with, or much different, but with not being able to get down there, we weren't able to, you know, kind of ratchet that up either. So that, that was a big issue. Uh, concealment, sustainability, all of these, you know, I'm talking about um, bug out locations, but all of this stuff does apply to say a get home situation too. Uh, other than the, do you own your own property? Uh, but you're talking about if, if you have to spend the night somewhere, say you're, you're so far away from home uh, that you have to actually spend the night somewhere, you need to think about seclusion uh, away from the population, the available resources, maybe even um, security, concealment, sustainability, all of that stuff is going to be super important. Now, the resources and sustainability, when you're talking maybe at one or two days, you know, not a huge deal. But um, if you're, you know, if say you've, you've lost all your water or something like that, that could be an issue. So having that, it's that redundancy thing. Having that stuff that, that may be available on that path you're taking uh, couldn't hurt, basically. Yeah. And you mentioned seclusion away from population. You about having to stay out overnight you know this weekend i went with my buddy and his family we just took a drive up in the local mountains could go to a small town well before we left we grabbed a sleeping bag grabbed some extra water tossed it in there what happens if you get stuck out there overnight you know it, it's so easy to get in a car and go for an hour drive and think everything's gonna be okay well an hour drive you may be 30 plus miles away from home you may be you know wherever you're at uh, what do you do to get by you hear those stories of people getting stuck on the internet uh, interstate in the blizzards and stuff during the that pop up, especially up in Colorado and some other places. And they're stuck out there overnight until the road crews can come out there and dig them out because it just happens so fast. The drifts pile up so fast. So understanding that when you get to resources available, a lot of times you need to make those resources available yourself uh, when you're going out and, and looking at what you do, like how do you secure your vehicle at night when you're in it? What, what can you do to make yourself, you know, just, just more, more safe out there when, when things are going bad. Yeah. Hey, Anthony's in the chat. He said hello from Australia. Uh, that's good. That means he wasn't the he wasn't the dude drinking the Fosters and fell and falling into the cenote. So so Anthony's still alive. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, Anthony, watch the beginning of the show. It's uh, Australian won the Darwin Award. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> probably knows already. It was one of the top three. It was one yeah. of the top. Th- the Americans won it. The guys who uh, went out searching for the mine after or the treasure that they had gotten rescued for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do the final one here, and then we'll get into this jerry can water filter. 
Um, I've got DIY shelter, and this is something that is just important to learn, um, making sure you have the right supplies, making sure the supplies for different environments and the skills to actually do that stuff. Um, and we think about lean-tos and debris huts and this wilderness shelter, right? Um, even if you're in, in an urban or a suburban environment, um, it, it, it's still important to kind of learn some of those bushcraft skills and all of that because the same principles apply. It may just be different materials. So it may not be branches and leaves and stuff like that. It may be two by fours and plywood, uh, the different things that, that you can make different shelter with. Uh, it could be abandoned buildings. It could be caves when you're thinking about uh, a, a rural area. So all of that stuff is important. Learning those skills, it's just like everything with preparedness. We kind of steal stuff from this and that and just bring it into preparedness. A lot of military stuff we take. Anything that applies to preparedness, we steal it. Bushcraft stuff, we steal. The food storage stuff, we steal. Uh, we just kind of grab what is important with preparedness and bring it in. And that's kind of that that wilderness um those wilderness skills as well, learning how to make these different shelters. That way, if you're in a situation, even if it's in an urban area, you still got that, those mental tools uh, to be able to do some stuff. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I think a lot comes from the military is great for looking into how do you get by with, uh, you know, the longest time possible with the least amount of resources. That's what the military is really good at. Now, the military is really good at shipping in a ton of resources. The mil American military can ship in stuff like nobody's business. But if you go and you talk to people in the military or go look online, look at different military packing lists, right? See, hey, what do these uh, guys and, and the, these men and women bring when they go over to a place like Iraq for, hey, we're going to go invade this country for a while. And, and you know, what do you need to get by? Um, you know, it's like six sets of BDU, six or six, six, uh, six sets of uniforms. You know, you need different things to get by your, your toiletries kit and all that. But the military offers some great, great templates for, you know, not copying them exactly. You don't need all the stuff that they do, but at the same time, it gives you a good template for, uh, taking and modifying to make your own for your own situation. Yeah. I'm laughing at you guys in the chat here, going back and forth. <laughs> All right, so um, with that, I, we're done with that segment. Um, shelter is just one of those things. It's, it's really important. It's one of the six areas of preparedness. you got food, water, security, sanitation, first aid, and, and shelter. It's one of those things that – one thing we didn't mention, too, with shelter is clothing and you know being prepared to go out in the elements like the, the Darwin Awards winners didn't do – uh, shelter is uh, clothing is shelter as well. Uh, where gloves, clothes, anything that protects you from the elements uh, is considered yeah. shelter. So, well, it's the rule of threes too, right? Three three seconds without situational awareness, three minutes without air, three you know three hours without shelter. If you get dunked in the water and it's cold out, you know you're you can be dead. And it's not. I, I like to remind people when they think about that three hours without shelter. You're. It's not at three hours you're done. It's the closer you get to that three hours, if the weather is terrible, you got dunked in water, it's freezing cold out. The closer you get to that, the less uh, effectively you're going to function. So it, it may take you three hours to die, but you may be, you know, just tits up at an hour and a half and done. So understanding that that shelter is, you know, super important. Watch any of those, you know, the alone type of shows or any of those survival shows. I'd say watch the Bear Grylls show. I'm not a big Bear Grylls fan. But uh, some of those other shows that are out there where when they, when they you know, they'll pick them up and they, they drop people off out in the middle of the woods. All right, what do you got to do? And the guy's like, hey, I got three hours of daylight left. It's time to get my shelter ready so I can survive the night. So understanding what you need to do. And how many times do we see the hikers that get lost now and, or people will 
go up in the mountains and, and, and get stranded, their car will break down or whatever. And they literally have to figure out what am I going to do for the evening to get by or maybe several weeks yeah. to get by until you get rescued. So, Yeah, keeping stuff in your car and everything because your car, you know, in the middle of winter breaks down or like you were talking about, it, that is your shelter. Yeah, could be for a couple yeah, exactly. of days. I think there was some dude in California just recently up uh, in near Truckee, California or something that uh, lasted three days out there before um, rescuers finally got to him. Uh, and I wonder had, if they taxed him for having an improvised uh, <laughs> improvised apartment building that wasn't on the code that they needed to tax and get some extra money out of. Yeah, it's probably it, it was California, so you never know. <laughs> he didn't have a permit. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the show this week. Um, I appreciate it, everyone. Uh, like I said on Friday, we've got uh, we're going to talk more about that HR one twenty seven deal. Uh, we'll talk more about this inauguration and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, um, I, unless you've got anything else, I, I think we're out of here. No, I think I'm good, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, hey, for everybody that came to order from uh, Survivalist Prepper, thanks a lot. And, uh, yeah, I had a good day today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, yeah, for everybody that nobody – for the people that don't know what we're talking about, uh, we're going to start doing some videos over at Survivalist Prepper 2 right before we do this one um, to kind of include that audience as well. I've been kind of um, been kind of ignoring the whole Survivalist Prepper audience, so – uh, I want to kind of help that out. And then Brian, same thing with Mind for Survival. Not quite sure where that's going to go yet, uh, but we're going to stop ignoring our the people who got us here, basically. <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, I appreciate everyone. Denise, Lisa, everybody in the chat, Kevin. Um, talk to you all later. Bye, friends.